You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, to live and to sell. Welcome back to season 10. This is episode 8. This episode is brought to you by SocialLightVault.com. Are you overwhelmed with the marketing your home staging business? Stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things. From social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, Social Light Vault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads, even when you aren't working. The team at Social Light specializes in marketing for home stagers. Get started today by going to SocialLightVault.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. I'm so excited today to have Stacy Brown Randall on our show. She is an expert in referrals and is such an important part in real estate business because when you have somebody who's a referral, that lead is already warmed up. Um, so it's going to be much easier for you to convert them into an actual sale, into an actual home staging project. So I think learning how to ask for referral and building that client experience is very, very important. This is something that I really push for in our courses as well, um, because it's much easier, it's much cheaper for you to get a referral lead compared to trying to attracting cold leads into your funnel. Um, funnel is something we talk about a lot, actually, in building marketing system in our six-figure four-point course. So yeah, and so I'm super excited to have Stacey on the show because referral is, is really going to save you a lot of time and money in prospecting and converting um, leads into sales when you're building your home staging business. So Stacey Brown Randall is a member of the Business Failure Club. She's a contrarian on how to generate referrals and a supporter of the entrepreneur dream. She's a three-time entrepreneur. She's an award-winning author as well. Her book is Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. She also hosts the Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast, and she's a national speaker. And her programs help small business owners and solopreneurs take control of their referrals, their client experience, and also their business. And she's had the privilege in helping well-known corporations and franchises such as Bank America, Mass Mutual, International Minute Press, and Remax. But her focus is ultimately on small business owners and solopreneurs from companies and industries like from Slater Interiors, Kintsugi Homesagers, HM Properties, Windows with a View, Financial Symmetry, O'Connor Insurance Associate, Tira Law Firm, Ferris Cook CPA, Verve Design, Ray Images, CAJ Bookkeeping, and hundreds more. Stacey's being featured in national publications like Entrepreneur Magazine, Investor Business Daily, Forbes, CEO World, Cheddar TV Network, and more. So without further ado, let's start today's show. So hi, Stacey. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get into the work that you're doing now? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Cindy. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. So I own a business where I teach business owners usually small business owners and solopreneurs, um, but I do also work with some larger companies, but I teach them to do something that nobody else is teaching that everybody needs to know how to do. And that is how to grow their business by referrals. But what I teach is that you should never be asking 
for those referrals, nor should you be paying for those referrals or being overly promotional or gimmicky to receive those referrals. So I have figured out how to reverse engineer how and why referrals happen. And then that allows me to teach people kind of reverse engineering it, unpacking it, and then cracking the code on how to generate referrals without asking. And I actually stumbled upon what I'm doing now haphazardly, I would say. It was quite by uh, accident and then, of course, sheer necessity. So I had a first business. It was an HR consulting firm. It made it for almost five years before, unfortunately, that business would fail. And when I reflected back, when I had to get a job, a W-2 position in between that business failure and then starting the business I have now, when I reflected back on why, I realized that I was really good at delivering the work, but it wasn't always great about making sure I was touching business development every day, which meant, and I don't mean you have to do something every day, but you have to have a plan and a process that you are constantly filling your work funnel, your pipeline, that prospect funnel of people who know about your company and could potentially want to hire you. And I was really good at like getting in a client, putting my head down and doing the work. And then I would look up and be like, oops, I have no more clients. I need to get another client. And then I would start that hamster wheel all over again and be out there juggling for the next and looking for the next client. So when that business unfortunately eventually failed, and though it had big name clients, um, like in the accounting world, I had KPMG and BDO as two of my clients at Ally Bank as a client, some other really big name clients, I was actually really never got off that hamster wheel. So when I reflected back on my business failure, I started my next business. I was like, okay, I have to figure out this business growth piece. And that's exactly what I did. And for me, it was figure out the business growth piece in terms of what will I, what am I willing to get up every day and do if I had to do it every day, which meant like cold calling and networking were not going to be at the top of my list ever. And then it was, okay, but not just what Stacy wants to do, like not just what I want to do, but like what's actually going to work. And I discovered referrals like everybody else. And it's like, oh gosh, referrals are amazing. And then all the advice was, well, if you want them, you have to ask. Well, if you want them, you have to pay or incentivize or you got to be really overly promotional or gimmicky, like putting your email signature of your email, the greatest compliment you can give me is a referral. And that stuff, that advice just didn't work for me. So I started paying attention to how referrals work. And I figured out how to basically explode my business, generating over 100 referrals every year for multiple years now in a row in my business. And eventually, a couple of years ago, I made a complete pivot, moved away from one-on-one coaching that I was doing, and started really just and only teaching people through my Growth by Referrals program how to generate referrals without asking. That is amazing. And I so agree with you because I do think there is hamster wheel we're constantly on. And it's kind of a a juggling act. There's so many plates in the air and it's very easy for marketing or referral kind of thing to just fall by the wayside when we're really focusing on delivering the technical stuff like staging um, with our clients type of thing. Yeah. And I think that most of us become business owners because we're really good at something, not because we're like, "Woo, I'm going to be a business owner so I can be like this amazing salesperson. Like none of us go into business for that. We go in just like, you know, think about your audience, right? I mean, there are people who can walk into a home and can visualize what will make it amazing. That will be for the best benefit of the homeowners that are selling their home and that the buyers can visualize the potential of a house that they're potentially looking at. Like that takes skill. And so we typically go into business because we are good at something, but we realize we also have to run a business and be salespeople at the same time if we want to stay in business and keep delivering that skill, that service that we're really good at. 
Exactly. And I'm really curious. So because one of our listeners had this question, Edie asked, how do people normally find and hire you? What type of service do you offer? And what would you be your client's commitment be? So how will most people find you? Yeah, I love that question. I love just like getting right to it, right? <laughs> if you hear what you like today, here's exactly what you need to know. So yes, how do people Google and find you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, most people who don't come across me in a very traditional sense, I would say either they are referred to me, right? Most obviously, as you can imagine, a lot of my business is referred to me or people see me speak or they read my book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, or they end up listening to my podcast, a Roadmap to Grow Your Business. Those are some traditional senses, I would say, that where people actually find me. But if you're Googling and looking for, you know, how to get referrals, some of my articles out there may pop up. Um, but ultimately, what you're going to find when you land either on my website or on my podcast or you read my book is that ultimately what I do is I teach people and like basically we boil it down to like five steps of how to take this concept of referrals without asking and make it into something that you can actually execute on in your business following these easy steps. I say easy steps. There's work to do. There's no magic bullet. And that, so and I do. I offer the work. I know part of Edie's question was like, what's a client commitment look like? I have an online program where people can just go through my online program and they have lifetime unlimited access to it. And so I have people who've been in the program for years and they share their success every year, which is amazing. They have a Facebook group where they can like ask questions, not just of me, but of other people in the program. And then I offer VIP services for the person who says, yeah, I want to do this with you. Um, and I want you to hold my hand and they want access to me. They want the online program. But they also want access to me. Um, and so that's a VIP one year commitment that I have as well. Um, and the, you know, obviously the price ranges differently. And then I have smaller programs for the person who's not yet ready to be in my growth by referrals program. I always say you need to have some referral sources. Like you need to have at least a few people who are referring you or have referred you for my growth by referrals program. If you're not there yet, then I always tell folks, save your money, back up a little bit. And I have this great masterclass that actually teaches you how to turn clients and other people in your network into referral sources. So how to take that client that you wish was referring you and then take them through a process they don't know you're putting them through a process to where they become referral sources for they start referring you. Um, and so that's a masterclass that I have. So I have, you know, some other places where people can get started with me as well. We have a follow-up question actually from Manila listener, L, and she's like, can you walk through an example to show us the benefits and differences after working with clients? And also yeah. at what point in your business you should consider using this type of service, like time commitment and market condition? I think it's a good idea to kind of get a sense of what it's going to be like. Because I think for home stagers, I think real estate agents, because I used to be one. So working with someone like you is very natural. Like I actually hired co-callers before in my organization. I just didn't find it was a really good fit. I think <laughs> approaching it from a referral kind of prospecting is much more effective. Oh, yes. I completely agree. And it's so funny that you said that because I used to be a realtor as well. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it feels like lifetimes ago. It was like before I had children when I was just starting to have babies and now my babies are like, you know, almost 12, 11 and nine. So it was like, I think I just dated myself, but it feels like a lifetime ago. So I definitely understand. But you know, we have a number of interior designers, workrooms and stagers that are actually in the program. Um, when we were having a conversation about me coming on your podcast, I always like to do my research and go find, okay, who in the program, because I have hundreds and hundreds of students in the program. We have students in seven different countries. So yes, of course, our largest number of people in the program are in 
the United States, but we're also in Canada and Germany and Scotland and Britain and then also New Zealand and Australia. And I feel like I left a country out. But regardless, you know, we're in a number of different countries. So I don't know everybody or what they do that comes to the program. But I do pay attention to those that engage and start looking for, like, obviously, I'm looking for people having success. And part of my program and the way that my program is built, you actually turn homework in. And it's actually reviewed by my team, which I think is really different from most online programs. Because you're going to know, hey, you turned it in. It's reviewed. Not everything's reviewed necessarily like we're going to be giving you a ton of feedback, but a lot of times we do, um, and it helps you kind of complete the process. But, you know, what I love most is when I then get to hear from my students the success that they're having. And so, you know, I have a couple of some of my favorite case studies to talk about. Uh, one, his name is Catherine, and she was probably receiving about three or four referrals a year, and she knew she should be getting more. And so she went through the program, and she said in her first year following the program, that number jumped to like 20 referrals. I mean, she was getting a couple a month and that was like, that's amazing for her. Like to go from four a year to 20 in a year or just over. And then her second year following the program, she was like, Oh no, we're doing more now. We're over 40. So we're getting like four a month. And depending on your capacity, that's sometimes as much as someone can handle it. I always tell folks your referral explosion, which is what I want you to have when you go through my program, your referral explosion is truly, it's based mostly on what's your number. So if I can take 100 clients, right, then of course 100 referrals would be awesome. But if I can only work with 30 in a year and you can get 40 referrals, then you can start being picky. I mean, you're not going to close every referral you receive, but then it allows you to start getting picky. And you can start to have that idea of like what this looks like in terms of understanding. I don't have to say yes to everybody. I can pick my ideal client. And you just get choices. And choices bring freedom as business owners. So, I mean, I love being able to have conversations with students that are going through the program. Like I've got one, his name is Mark. He's out in Texas. His goal for an entire year, one year on my growth by referrals program, his goal for one year was 15 referrals. He is five months in and he's already received his 17th referral. We've already blown out his one year goal at the five month mark. So like those are the things when I see people doing the work. And that is what I would tell you. I know back to um, Edie's question, excuse me. Her question was about like, what's a client commitment? It's going to take you a couple hours to get through the program. That's the easy part, but you do have to execute on the process. And what I love about referrals and what I love about how the program works and how the process works is that it's not something every day and it's not something every week. And it's not even something every month. If you do it well, it's things you're doing four, five, maybe six to seven times a year that is having massive impact on these people's businesses, bringing them referrals. And it's not hard. It's not rocket science, but most people have never thought about it the way I teach it. So why do you think it makes such a huge difference in number? Is it purely a numbers game? Because you know how for us, like, because both of you, we met in Mariah's program for Mastermind. And then, you know, it's about numbers, right? For conversion. It's usually about 1%. Say someone attends a free training, we might convert roughly 1% to 3%. So is that the same thing with referrals as well? It's like the higher numbers you get into your referral funnel, your conversion rate is going to be higher. So here's the most amazing thing about referrals. It's the reverse. Your close ratio when you're referred a prospect 
should be over 50%. And I look for my students' conversion rates or close rates to be over 50%. Where I want them is in the 75 to 85% range. If you can get to 100%, that's great. I'm not aiming for that. You can't close everybody. I mean, not everybody will always be perfect. But the truth is, if I had 10 clients referred to me, I know I'm going to close eight of them. But if I have 10 clients that come through another source, like they read an article online or they happened to find my book on Amazon randomly and not because my book was recommended to them, they just stumbled across it and liked the title, right? I know that if those people then land, right, in my buyer's journey funnel and my prospecting funnel, my close ratio isn't nearly as high than it is with those referred prospects. So give me 10 referred prospects, let me close eight of them, on the other way, the way you were saying it, I got to get a hundred to close 2%. Right. Like it's totally different because this is why a referred prospect is the holy grail of business growth because a referred prospect shows up and they, this is what I love about referrals that people kind of sometimes forget. We understand we're like, yeah, they're quicker to close. They're easier to close. They're less price sensitive because they already value us. But here's the piece that people miss. It's all those things. They are quicker to close. They are, you know, easier to close. They are less price sensitive because they've, they've assigned value to you and they haven't even met you. And that's because someone they know recommended you. So there's trust that's been transferred from the person they know and trust to you because that person trusts you. So that trust transfer happens. They trust you, right? But here's the other thing that makes a referred prospect so amazing. That prospect actually knows they have a problem or an issue or a need they need to solve. Their need has been identified. So let's just take the realtor example for a quick second. If I'm in my forever home and I'm never moving, not until my, you know, my kids are often married, I'm never moving. And I'm, let's just say for sake of argument, 28 years old, right? I'm not, I just like to pretend, right? So I'm 28 years old, I'm having kids and I'm never moving out of my house. It doesn't matter if you refer me to the world's best realtor. I don't need to meet with them because I'm not in a buyer mentality mode. A referred prospect shows up already trusting you, but also knowing they need you or someone like you, and they are willing to invest the time to investigate if you're the right fit. That is why our close ratio is so much higher with referred prospects. I would take a referred prospect over somebody who just randomly drops, you know, into like my funnel or into the process any other way. You know, for me, the way I look at it, referred prospects are the best. The next are those that have engaged with me and my content in any way, shape, or form. So in this instance, they hear me on somebody else's podcast, right? That's one way. Or they do pick up my book and they read it and they really agree with my philosophy and how I teach. But if they just happen to randomly Google me and then they kind of like, oh, what's, you know, let me figure out some stuff out about Stacy. It's a little bit harder to close them and it takes longer. So I think referred prospects... I'm not going to say that's the only way you'll bring in prospects to your business. It's not my only way, but it is the best way. No, I totally agree. Because, I mean, the lead is coming to you already warmed up. And I think that is a huge differentiation. It also saves you time and save them time because in a way the sales cycle has been shortened. So it's much easier and much cost effective, I think, as business owners to do business with people who come in already warm up to you and already have that trust built in. Yes, I completely agree. And so have you looked at the closing rate of sales when it's like a cold lead versus like a referral lead? Like what is the difference? Yeah, so it really depends on the individual's process for how they actually bring somebody through a process to making that where you're kind of 
getting to the point of what your sales strategy is, what your sales process is, how many meetings it is, the industry you're in, you know, in some enterprise-based companies, the sales cycle can be really long and other ones, it can be really short. But typically a referred prospect, you should be more likely to be above 50% in your close ratio. Not everybody is, some people around 30%, but with every other type of other types of leads. It's not just the close ratio, it's also the number of the volume of them, the time you have to put into them, and how long they may be in your process before they ever decide to say yes or no. So that's typically small percentages versus when it's a referred prospect. It really just depends on your skill. So if a home stager is thinking to themselves, like what is the close ratio gonna be of referrals? Well, if it's not over 30%, we've got a big problem. And I want it over 50%. I really want you closer to 75 or 80%, which means for every 10 referred prospects you receive, I want you closing five to eight of them. With other sources, to your point, it's typically less than 10%. So for every 10 you know, non-referred prospects, which could be, they come to you any other way, they find you in Google, right? They just happen to randomly search for you and find you or something like that. If it's just a percent or two, it's one or two people for every 10 you're going to close. So it really does depend on the person's skill and ability with their close ratio, but it already starts much, much higher from a close ratio perspective. Right. And what are some of the guiding principles when it comes to referrals? The way that I talk to people about referrals, it's really understanding. I just first want to make sure everyone's kind of on that same page about let's make sure we're defining a referral correctly, because I think that's an important piece that people will sometimes miss. And when I'm talking about a referred prospect, a referral, someone who has been referred to you, they are always referred by a person. So it's always like, oh, yes, right? Cindy is my referral source. She sent me this prospect. She sent me this potential new client. And I think understanding the definition of referrals is one of the first foundation principles we kind of have to get into our heads is what does it look like for us to really understand what a referral is? We're always connected by a referral source to the prospect and the prospect knows they have a problem or an issue they want to solve. And we are potentially the solution provider for them. One of the other guiding principles for referrals is to really then understand like who matters in the referral process. And a big one in that place is understanding, you know, who are your referral sources because they are the list of heroes for your business. They matter more than the prospect and they matter more than you. And I know some people hear that and they're like, what? Nobody can matter more than the prospect who is going to become my potential new client. When that prospect is referred to you, the referral source matters most. They're the hero. And that's the relationship you need to cultivate and you need to make sure that you're you know, maintaining so that they'll send you more referrals. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. And it's important to understand the difference between that right and wrong way. But the focus is on your referral source. It's maintaining your relationship with a referral source. And I think what people forget is that we look at all of the sales activities we do. So cold calling, cold emailing, attending networking events, joining networking groups, it may be sponsorships, it could be ads on house, right? Like we look at different ways to bring in prospects to our business, right? And we understand that there's these different activities. And what people have to understand is when you're in prospecting mode or marketing mode, you're actually trying to speak directly to the prospect. Like you want to cold call somebody who's going to answer the phone and say, yes, I'm looking for a home stager. What perfect timing. 
I mean, let's be honest, Andy, that never happens. But that's the reality, right, that they're instantly looking for is my activity of cold calling or cold emailing or attending a networking event or grabbing coffee with somebody or sponsoring an event is that I'm speaking to a potential audience that could be my clients. That's prospecting and marketing. You have to get out of that mentality and step into referral mode. And that's most important to realize when you're in referral mode, you're not speaking to the prospect. Everything's different. Your mentality, your language, your objective, the outcome, everything is different. And when we're in referral mode, and this is one of those principles I think that people overlook, when we're in referral mode, we are focused on the referral source and our relationship with them and how we care for them and thank them for what they're doing, which is sending referrals to us. But always remembering they're not referring us because of us. They're referring us because they're trying to be the hero to somebody else who has a problem and they know how to solve it. Think about the realtor who's trying to close that brand new listing and that client is saying to themselves, I don't think the way I have this house designed or laid out is going to sell. And the realtor's thinking to themselves, that's correct, we need to bring in a home stager and he or she gets to look like the hero when they refer you as the perfect home stager. This process, yes, you are gonna take great care of that client, but the person who matters most is that, is that realtor who just referred you. So we have to understand the mentality, the mode, the relationship, that we're not speaking to our prospects and we're not trying to be salesy. It is a compliment to the prospecting and the marketing that you will do in your business. But when you're in referral mode, you are acting different and you are thinking different. And we really have to understand that baseline so that we can be successful and do the right things and use the right messaging and plant those referral seeds so that our, our referral sources feel taken care of and start thinking about it subconsciously in a very different way. I love that. I do definitely have some follow-up questions about that. We have it later on in the interview. But in the meanwhile, I want to ask you, what are some of the common mindset issues when it comes to generating referrals and how can we overcome these? Yeah, so that's such a great question because some of the common issues that I really find with people when they are thinking through, okay, referrals and getting more referrals is that they are stuck in the old mentality. And what I say they're stuck in the old mentality is that for decades and decades, we have been taught that if we want referrals, we just need to go ask for them, or we just need to be willing to incentivize or pay for them, or we need to be overly promotional and gimmicky. So for decades, these were what I like to call old school referral triggers. We were triggering referrals by asking, by providing compensation, or by being overly promotional and gimmicky. So an example of being overly promotional and gimmicky is an easy one is what I gave earlier, which is like put in your subject, I mean, put in your email signature, the greatest compliment you can give me is a referral. Or when you meet with people, say you work by referral, right? Like what we don't recognize, if you haven't heard this before, is that it's very overdone and it sounds like you're fishing for something. It's what they teach in real estate school. Like every agent yes. has that. That's basically a script. This is how you ask for referral. Yes, it's terrible. I mean, it's truly, when you think about it, like it's a lot of different things they teach to realtors. It's a lot of different things that if you haven't ever been through sales training and you just Googled, how can I get referrals? 99% of the articles are going to come up and it's going to talk about how to get referrals by asking. 25 ways to ask for referrals without looking desperate. Like these are actual article titles that you can find on Google right now. Seven ways to be a better asker for referrals. Like these articles exist. Books on this topic exist. Most referral books will teach you how to ask for a referral. 
even if that's not what they say in the title of the book, that's what they're going to teach you how to do, or they're going to teach you how to pay and compensate for them, build a referral program, right? An incentivized referral program. And what happens when we believe those things? And it's not our fault. So here's what I want to say. If you are sitting there right now and you're thinking to yourself, wow, I've always believed I had to ask or I had to compensate or I had to be really gimmicky. Just keep in mind, it's not your fault because that is all you've ever been told. The minute you made the decision to just step into the business world where sales were anywhere near what you were doing, you started hearing the messages, old school referral triggers that said, go ask, go pay, go be promotional, go be gimmicky. And the worst thing is, is they would tell you, go ask. And hey, Cindy, if you're not willing to ask for referrals, well, then there's something wrong with you, which that advice boils my blood to the ends of the earth. Like it makes me so crazy that you would tell people that if they're not willing to ask, they've got head trash or something's wrong with them that they need to get over. And when I started paying attention to referrals and I started asking people like, do you like to ask for referrals? Like at first I thought there was something wrong with me. They're like, do you like to ask people for referrals? And they'd be like, no, it's the worst thing in the world. And I don't like it when people ask me either. And I started realizing that, you know what? The it's majority actually. Yeah, the majority doesn't like it. So why is that the only thing we're teaching? And that's when I started paying attention to kind of like the reverse engineering piece and looking at the human dynamic and the psychology behind referrals and why they happen. And that's when I realized all the advice we've been told, like, let's just look at asking and paying. It was people in the past trying to force a process for referrals, asking and paying for them into the prospecting mentality. So if I'm telling you to ask, I'm trying to get you closest to the referral because that's what a cold call does. It gets you closest to a potential prospect. Never mind, it doesn't work, right? It's just activity. So go do some activities. It's a numbers game. You'll finally get there. You'll eventually get there, right? Like that's why the asking advice and the paying advice exists because those sales trainers or those gurus, so to speak, were trying to teach you what they knew. And what they knew was the quick mentality, short-term fix. And so if you want to get a referral, well, then the fastest way to do it is go ask. What we didn't pay attention to, it doesn't work. We don't like it. And if we're always known as the asker, everybody avoids us because they don't want to talk to us because they know, oh, they're going to ask me for another referral, right? I didn't have any for the last four times they asked. And you become that person. And then when we're told to make it overly promotional and gimmicky, we're trying to shove it into the marketing mentality. We're trying to make it like, you know, oh, I can put it in my signature. I can tell people I work by referrals or whatever it is. Like, we're making it overly promotional or gimmicky, which means nobody's paying attention. That's why I teach, have your prospecting plan, have your marketing plan, but referrals do not belong there at all. Referral activity, referral mindset, your ability to generate referrals, it needs its own plan of activities that you're going to do, actions you're going to take that will allow you to generate referrals because you have to be in a different mentality and a different mode to make them happen. And so I always tell folks, just remember, if you think you have to ask and you hate asking, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. What we haven't been told is that there's another way. And a lot of people just didn't ever, I guess, I don't know if, I guess they didn't think about it. I guess they didn't pay attention to it. But, you know, for me, it was just, I want referrals and I'm not going to ask for them. So darn it, I'm going to figure out how to get them another way. And that's literally how I created my process. And it wasn't because I thought one day I'd help other people do it. It's because I was coming off a business failure. I was starting my second business. I could not go through another business failure. I had to figure out how to make my second business successful. So I worked really hard to figure out when I do this, oh wow, people will remember me and then I get a referral. And when I say this over time, that builds to XYZ results. And then when my small business owner clients and my solopreneur clients that I was coaching as a productivity and business coach at the time, 
when I was coaching them, they'd be like, you're exploding in growth. What are you doing? I was like, oh, I have this referral process that I'm following and thank the Lord it's working. And they'd be like, teach me that. So then I started teaching them. They started having success. That's when I pivoted my entire business. And now I have, of course, my growth by referrals program. Um, and it works, obviously, um, like we talked about earlier, online or VIP, but it really came out of sheer necessity. And I think I stumbled upon it because it was needed out there in the marketplace. Yeah. And I think a lot of the stuff, like the old school real estate training, they, in a way, it kind of perpetuate itself on the hamster wheel because it's basically the same thing regurgitated over and over again. And yeah, so it just, I love this new way of thinking of getting out of that mindset and really focusing on how to prospect and how to be more efficient in terms of generating referral. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what's so important about it is you can still have have success. You can generate the referrals you want or what I like to call referral explosion and still be genuine and authentic and do something and enjoy it in the process. So can you talk a little bit about, so if we're not asking for referral, what are some ways we can generate referrals? Yeah, so I always tell folks, it's not like there is 14 different tactics I can teach you that will allow you to generate referrals. First of all, you wouldn't do 14 tactics if I had them anyways, because that would be too many. But there is one main process that we follow to generate referrals. And when we follow that process consistently, that is when the referrals actually start happening. So what I'd love to do is just kind of walk you guys through what that process looks like. And I think that makes it better. So it's not 14 things to try and test and see if they work. It's one process to follow. And it starts with number one, This is probably what I would say, if you're willing to get past step number one, you're going to have some referral success, unless you're not referable. And that's different. That's a whole different conversation we need to have about your client experience and what your clients think of you. But the idea here is, is that this process, step number one is probably the hardest, but once you get through it and you do it right, you never repeat it. And it proves to yourself that this is actually something you're interested in. And step number one is you actually need to identify your referral sources. You need to know who's referring you now. And I teach a process um, to my students that really walks them through how to dig in to who their referral sources are. But just for your listeners, this is not a complicated concept. It's the idea of looking at your list of clients and making sure you know how they learned about you. So when you pull a list of your 50 clients or your 200 clients, right, maybe you want to go back two years, please go back at least two years if you've been in business that long. If you've been in business longer, go back as long as you have the patience for, but I need at least two to three years of data for this really to work, which is why I tell people brand new in the business, don't start here. I need you to start somewhere else. But this idea of like, look at who your clients are and figure out how they learn about you. So, oh, that client came through because they're my neighbor. Oh, and this client came through because I met him at a networking event. Oh, and this person was referred by Cindy, and this person was referred by Stacy, and this person was referred by Sam. Like, that's the data I want you to capture. Then I want you to look at who were the referral sources on that list. Who are the people who referred you clients? Now we have your list of gold. Now we know who your referral sources are. And the next four steps we're going to do are going to serve them. And I just want to pause here for a second and just say what I'm about to teach you has to come from a place of you being authentic and genuine. You actually have to care about your referral sources because if you don't care and you're using it just to manipulate them to get more referrals, we can tell like the public, right? Your referral sources are not stupid. So we can tell when you're not genuine. And here's what I don't understand. 
how can you not care about your referral sources? They make your life so much easier because they drop an almost ready to go client into your lap. Like you can't get a better lead into your business than somebody who's been referred. And so it's important for us to recognize what that means. So of course, I believe you should love your referral sources, but if you don't, or you're dead inside, <laughs> this is not going to work for you. You actually have to go through this process and think, yes, you know what? They make my life easier and I should be taking care of them. And that's the mentality you have to have. So once we've identified your referral sources, the next couple of steps are pretty much just setting a plan in place, but everything comes down to execution. So I always tell folks like step two, step three, and step four kind of go together. Step two is, listen, when you receive a referral, I need you to take the time and stop saying you're so busy and take the time and write a handwritten thank you note every time you receive a referral. Now, you cannot write a bunch of thank you notes every time you receive a referral and think you're going to receive so many more. But it does make you get thankful in the moment of taking time to handwrite a thank you note, no emails, handwrite a thank you note to the person who just referred a new client to you. It also impacts that referral source in a way you can't possibly imagine. You can, of course, if you've received a thank you note and you're like, wow, that really meant a lot to me. So that's a process I need people. It's just, it's polite and it makes sense and it's what your mother taught you anyway. You should be writing thank you notes when someone does something for you or gives you a gift. And they did just give you a gift. They gave you the gift of a brand new client you didn't have to go work for or spend a bunch of money on advertising for. So it's important to be able to write thank you notes. But you need a plan that follows kind of like the, hey, yeah, they send me a referral once a year, so that's all they get from me is one thank you card a year? No, 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 no. Then you need a plan that you build on a 12-month basis, really just kind of like that one-year plan of how you're going to be memorable and meaningful and top of mind and plant referral seeds to those referral sources so that they don't forget about you. They do know that you care, right? And you're building goodwill with them. And the way we're using the language, they're starting to always think about how they can help us because we're taking such good care of them, thanking them for how they're actually already taking care of us. And then when we use the right language, which is step number four, when we use the right language, it all kind of starts to crystallize in their subconsciousness of how they remember us. So Step two is yes, you need to be able to write thank you notes every time you receive a referral because that is just a way to make an impact in your referral source in the moment. And the other thing is, is why should I give you more referrals if you can't thank me for the one I just gave you? But step three and step four are, but then you need a plan of how you're going to take care of your referral sources throughout any given year. And I like to say this is a wash, rinse, repeat model. So I want you doing it every year, right? Every year over. And you're step four using the right language so people are feeling thanked and cared for, but you're also planting some referral seeds because you're not going to ask. You're never going to ask. You're not going to be allowed to ask. So you have to learn to put in some different language so they start thinking about you from a referral perspective and the subconsciousness. And those pieces really work well together. And it's that idea of, okay, I know who my referral sources are. I know how to write a thank you note every time I receive one. And I give specific language about what that looks like to my students. And then also I have this plan that I've built and the plan is really just touch points. It's just how you're going to do outreach to your referral sources and you build it for an entire year. But the big thing is to be top of mind, not keeping in touch. These are not email. Hey, how you doing? Text messages. Hey, how you doing? It's been 32 days. Time to give you a call. It's not what I'm talking about. Memorable and meaningful. Top of mind. And then step four is you know how to plant referral seeds. And then step five pops in and it just says, listen, You've identified your referral sources. You know how to write thank you notes when you receive a referral. You've got this plan that you do throughout the year, every year of how you take care of your referral sources, and you know the language to use. 
okay, that's awesome and beautiful and you just built this most perfect thing, but now we gotta execute on it. So step five comes in and says, we need to systematize it within your workflow so that you'll actually do it. And that step teaches you how do we systemize, how do we outsource, how do we automate, how do we delegate, whatever the pieces your business will allow, then we show you how to do that. That is amazing. So do you have to have a big network to generate referrals, especially if you're new in town or new to the business? You really don't. Here's the thing. Referrals only come from relationships. No one refers a stranger because they're asking someone when they do refer you to put their reputation on the line, right? So when someone refers you, Cindy, they're putting their reputation on the line and they want to make sure it's going to be protected, that you're going to deliver quality work. So I tell people when you're new in town, don't focus on referrals. We're not trying to get you to a thousand people so you can start receiving referrals. What I need you to do is think differently. I need you to start meeting people. I need you to start building relationships. I need you to do some of the old school prospecting and marketing tactics we talked about. Maybe you do need to go network. Maybe you do need to spend some money on advertising or get some uh, publicity, right? Maybe you do need to actually join a couple of leads groups, right? You, maybe you, there are things you need to do to start getting some name recognition and building relationships where you are. Once you start building relationships, then you can shift your focus to referrals. Referrals are not some magic fruit you can just go pluck off a tree. That's not how it works. Referrals work because people know you and they trust you and so that they're willing to put their name and their reputation on the line and refer you to somebody else. But they're only going to refer you if they know somebody who has a problem. So if you are new in town, first identify Who's the right referral source for you? Okay, every home stager listening to this episode right now should be screaming to themselves, realtors. Realtors are your number one referral source. Actually, it's so funny. I was having calls earlier today with actually, uh, her name is Stacy. She's actually, she has the same name as me. She's actually a home stager and she's in my program. It was just so brilliant that this interview was on the same day. She earned a bonus um, within my program. And so we were having her call and we were walking through what it looks like for her to get more realtors referring her. And so we were running the numbers and I was walking her through how to look at that. And I said, before you build your growth by referrals plan, you need to back up and really follow is a process I teach um, called increasing your referral sources. You really need to start actually turning those realtors, you know, into referral sources. And I teach a very specific process, but it's really about taking care of them, making sure they remember you, Right. And then keeping and making sure that you are keeping up with your communication with them. And then you're planting some referral seeds so that they'll start referring you. And then once they refer you, you drop them in that referral plan you built with step three that we just talked about. And so it's identifying who are your ideal referral sources. And if they're realtors or maybe they're mortgage lenders, right, or maybe they're CPAs, whatever it is for you. Well, then let's make sure we're doing a concentrated effort to build relationships with those people in addition to just growing our network naturally as well if we're new in an area. So I think this is, this is segments to the next part of my questions, which was also what I want to ask you about earlier, is that the quality of the referral. So we have a listener question from Sandra, and she's asking, how will you know if the company you're referring is insured and can handle the project? And vice versa, like for me personally, I stop giving people referrals or I just don't really like to be referred to because a lot of times, like my cousin, for example, he's really good at sending me referrals, but the referrals he sent me often have no idea what I specialize in. My cousin just know that I do home staging, but he doesn't realize I specialize in vacant home staging. So when he sent his friends to me, they're all like living in the house when they're selling 
which is not really my ideal client. And for me, that referral doesn't really work. So what can we do to improve the quality of the referrals on both sides? Yeah, so perfect. Let me answer. So these are two kind of separate questions, but to your point, they both deal with quality. So let me answer Sandra's question first and then yours. So here's the thing. We all, when you are referring to someone else, so you are becoming the referral source and you are considering referring a client, a friend, a neighbor to a company that's going to be able to help your friend or client or neighbor, right? Then you have become the referral source. And every referral source should have their own vetting process to know if they trust the person that they're referring to. So, and everyone's vetting process looks a little bit different. So if it's important from Sandra's question, it sounds like knowing that they're insured is something that's important, then you need to have in your vetting process to ask that question. Like, are you insured? Like, it's okay to have communication with someone before you refer them to understand what they do. So as a home stager, let's just say it's important for you to have a few resources that you can always refer your clients to if they have the need. Like, let's say you're going to tell them, hey, you need to paint the house before I bring furniture in and stage it. And you have to refer them to a painter. Well, then it's important that you have vetted that painter. So if vetting to you means you've seen their work and it was great and that's all you need, perfect. If it means you need to know if they're insured, that's a question you need to have with a painter, right? In some cases, you probably could ask other people, who's your favorite painter? And they can refer you to the painter so you can transfer some of their trust to that painter that you feel towards them. But everyone's vetting process looks a little different. And it's okay to have communications with that painter. Like, hey, are you insured? Can you handle this project? What's your capacity? This one's gonna be on a type timeline. Can you hit that timeline? If you can't hit that timeline, I need to know now because I need to give it to somebody else, but don't worry, I'll give you my next project or the next project that fits you, I will have a conversation with you about referring them to you, whatever it is, right? The idea here is, is that if you're gonna refer someone and put your reputation on the line, you need to create your own vetting process and you need to figure that out for what that is for you. And trust me, once you don't vet somebody and they do a bad job and you refer a friend or a neighbor to them and they do a bad job and you hear about it, right? you'll just never refer them again. And that is why I think the relationship we have with our referral source is so critical because I want, if you refer to me, Cindy, I want that person to be like, wow, working with Stacy was the best decision I made this year. And so I'm going to make sure to take really good care of them. Everyone should do that with all their clients, but particularly clients that are referred to you. And that goes back to the client experience you have. So if you don't know how a client will feel after they've worked with a painter, you may have to test them out and then see what that client said. Yeah, the painter was great. They showed up. They finished early. They did great. They didn't leave their trash around. I don't know. I mean, I've had painters in my house before. I'm just kind of going off experience. <laughs> right? But then you need to figure out how you need to vet them. So that's how I would answer Sandra's question. Your question though is a little bit different. And it's funny because I always tell folks in the beginning of your journey to start your referral explosion, I'm actually not going to be concerned about the quality, but I am going to be concerned about the quantity. So the first thing I would do is I would want your cousin in the habit of referring you. Now, based on the information you've given me, I know he's there, but I'm just going to go back, right? Before he really started referring you, he now knows people he can refer to you, right? He's starting to refer you. I want to get him in the habit of referring to you where he feels good about that before I make the decision, okay, now we're getting enough of not the quality I want, but the quantity is there. So he's in the habit because the number one thing you don't want to do when you have someone referring to you is you don't ever want to make them feel defensive 
or to feel bad about who they referred you in the past. So your language in this conversation you're going to have with them matters. Now, here's the thing. If you know your cousin can never send you your ideal client, you can handle this a little bit different. I'm going to give this advice based on the idea that if your cousin had some guidance, maybe he could refer better clients to you. It may be less than he's referring you now, but you're turning those down anyway, right? So it's a matter of, I'm going to make the argument that if you know your your cousin has the potential to refer you other people that are your ideal client, if you just had some guidance, then that's kind of the advice that I give. If you know he knows nobody that lives in a vacant, or that's just left a vacant home, well then maybe it doesn't matter and you can just tell your cousin, hey listen, I appreciate that you refer these people to me, but stop. <laughs> or maybe you would that because you've got to see maybe Thanksgiving and Christmas. But I'm under the impression that if we had the right conversation and I was able to thank you for who you've referred me and then tell you why I wasn't able to help them and then just reposition, right? Exactly what I do. Everyone comes out of that conversation like, Oh, wow. I think I understand Cindy's business better than I ever have before. That was cool. And nobody feels defensive and nobody feels like they now have to qualify somebody before they send them to you. And it's all in the languaging. And actually in my program, I actually teach people like a very specific way to change the quality, but it's actually something we do as you get closer to a top level. So I divide all the people who go through my program, you're coming in and you're either a referral ninja beginner in training or master. Okay. Well, nobody buys my program. If they're a master, you don't need it because that's where I'm trying to get you. But you know, I would say about 90% of the people who take this quiz I have, it's called the referral ninja quiz and it's nine simple questions. It's free. It helps you determine how good are you? What are your skills right now at generating referrals? And it drops you into one of three levels. And we just call it refer the referral ninja quiz because inside my community, you know, everybody who's in my free community, they're all referral ninjas. And then once you're in my program, you're a referral ninja master in the making. And then you're eventually a referral ninja master. But I'm moving you from a beginner to in training to a master level. Changing the quality is going to happen as you transition from in training to a master. It's not something I'm asking my beginners to focus on because you don't need it quite yet. The faster you move yourself from a beginner to in training and then get yourself to that master level, this is something I'm going to want you to understand how to do. That's great. And then I have a follow-up question on that as well. So this had happened before where, so obviously I teach training full-time now. I teach staging uh, full-time now. And so I don't no longer take any staging clients. So a client called me and be like, hey, I have a job. Can you refer me to someone in the Bay Area? And I sent I send a client to the stager I know. And a month later, the stager emailed me very upset saying that the client wasted her time. At the time when I worked with my client, he was fine. But I didn't know he was going to do something that basically wasted her like a bunch of time. Because what happened, I think, was he said, oh, we're going to book you for this job. And then so she did all her preparation for it. And then he canceled it. And so it created kind of an unpleasant situation for me. So in that situation, how can I avoid this happen again? Yeah, so here's, here's the hard answer that no one's going to like. You really can't. And as the referral source, it's not your responsibility to. This comes down to the stager you referred that client to and her vetting process of how she makes the decision of which client she's going to say yes to or say no to. If he verbally said, hey, we're going to book you for this job, but there was nothing in writing and she didn't go through a process to actually vet him to make sure this was a legitimate client, 
right? There may be some tightening up she needs to do on her end of just her processes of how she chooses to work with clients. Um, and sometimes when we need business, we will cut our own corners and then it always comes back to bite us in the rear later, right? So I don't know the particular situations and I'm not saying that that's the case, but the idea here is, is that we don't always know who we're going to refer to somebody else and if it's going to be good or not. And that's okay. And the fact that the home stager actually came back to you and complained and thought it was your fault is the, like, I can't even begin to explain to you how backwards of a thought process that is because what she effectively just did is she made you uncomfortable for making a mistake. You did not do it on purpose. You had no idea this was going to happen. You thought you were helping your old yeah. client and the stager. Like I you want her to make money. That's why I referred. Right? Like you thought you were doing it for all the right reasons. And effectively what she just did was don't ever. So she basically just said to you, Cindy, don't ever do that again. And you won't. My guess oh, is. Yeah. I'm like literally scared of referring people now. Now I just be like, oh, I don't know anyone. Sorry. Don't be scared to refer people. Just don't refer to her because she acted as if you owed her something. And that is so backwards. You were not owed anything. Like I tell people, you deserve referrals. Every stager listening to the show, including Cindy and including me, right? I'm not a stager, but you know what I mean? Yeah. We all do referrals in our business. Fundamentally, if we do quality work and we take good care of our clients and we have a client experience, we deserve referrals, but we are not owed anything. So we are not owed anything. So we have work to do. Right. And so the reality of it is, is that she is under some impression that if you refer me, it better be perfect. And I don't know what, what world she's living in, but that's not how it works. And so by coming back to you and complaining, right, she's effectively turned the spigot off as you as a referral source, you'll never refer her again. And so you will get referred people you can't work with. You'll get referred people and you will see the red flags. And because they're referred, you may overlook those red flags and you may take them on as a client and you're going to regret it later. Right. I still tell folks, even if you're referred someone, follow your process to vet someone effectively as a client and onboard them effectively as a client. And don't be afraid to say no, just because they were referred if they're not the right fit. Just like all the people your cousin would refer you. You don't need to be taking those people. They're not your ideal client. You do have to be professional in how you manage that conversation to that client your cousin sent and to your cousin. But we, I mean, sometimes we act as if I'm giving you a referral and now I'm supposed to make sure it's wrapped up perfectly in a Tiffany blue box with their pretty white bow. Like that's not how it works. And we're not trying to give our referral source extra work by making sure that they send us exactly who we want and no problem children allowed. Like, it just doesn't work that way. And she had an entitlement that you cannot have when you're dealing with referral sources. I love that because I think it comes back down to mindset. I love that you also mentioned language. Like in your training, it sounds like you use very specific language to really vet and then in a way train the referral source to make sure that they're going to send you the right type of client you want. Yeah, and the language is such, such an important piece of the pie. Um, I always tell folks like everything you're going to do is going to be like building the structure that you need for your business. The language is like that secret sauce. It's like that special piece that once you understand the language piece, then it's like unleashing you to the world. But the language matters specifically because we want people to think a certain way about us, but we want to honor them as people while we're doing it. And we want what we say to sound normal 
coming out of our mouth. Because if it's not normal or comfortable, we won't say it anymore. It's why we don't ask for referrals, because it's uncomfortable and awkward when we have to speak it. So the language that I teach is, you know, it all comes from situations and scenarios of listening to people use language. And I do believe, I'll be honest, I do believe that my superpower that God gave me is language and is the piece of this because people, my VIPs will come to me and they'll be like, okay, I need a touch point for my referral sources for this. What do you think? And it's like the idea just comes to me. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what you need to do. I mean, I'm a treasure trove of ideas and language is what I tell people now because I've been doing this for six years. And so I tell folks, but what you say matters if we're looking for a particular objective. And so you have to understand what that looks like. So let me give your audience a really clear example on this. So Cindy, if you and I were to meet at a networking event face-to-face and you and I were to have a conversation and you were to, like, we were to walk up to each other and we were, let's say we knew each other in advance, you're like, hey, your first couple questions to be like, hey, how are you? And then the next question is going to be, how's business? So, or how are things going? Not to put you on the spot, Cindy, but tell me, how do you think either you or the majority of people answer that question? How's business? How's it going? Uh, it's fine. <laughs> kind yeah, of thing. It's not, it's, I'm busy. It's good. Maybe it's not so great, right? If they're being honest, most of us just say it's busy. It's good. Okay. You're missing an opportunity to plan a referral seat. Now, I have no idea when I'm talking to you for maybe the first time, or maybe I've known you for a little bit of time. I have no idea that if I try to plant a referral seat in this moment, it's going to go anywhere, right? Sometimes we plant seeds and they happen to fall on fertile ground and then we nurture them and then they grow. And sometimes they fall on concrete and they just don't go anywhere and that's okay. But the number one thing you need to do when someone says, how's business is just try planting a referral seed. Just say, Cindy, thanks so much for asking. You know, business is really great. I actually just brought on a bunch of new clients into my Growth by Referrals program and a bunch of them were actually referred to me by other students in the program. Don't you think that referrals is like the best way to grow your business, right? Or it's some type of dialogue about what your business has experienced with referrals and then opening up a conversation to referrals after that. So like, yeah, business is great. Thanks so much. I just onboarded a new staging client. I'm so excited. They live in this great neighborhood. I've been wanting to do a home in and they were referred to me by this wonderful realtor. Don't you think that receiving clients by referrals is like the best thing ever? Now we can have a dialogue about referrals, but I'm going to then turn around and ask you, so how's business? And you're probably gonna be like, Oh, it's good. Now you won't now because now you know what to say, but you'll be like, Oh, it's good. And then we'll continue a conversation and we'll go our separate ways. I don't know if that seed I planted by talking about the fact that I just brought on a client by referral, mentioning how awesome referrals are. Those are all seeds I planted. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. But I do know that I'm taking an opportunity to answer a question that is asked a million times a day. And I'm just shifting you to think about me differently. I didn't ask you for a referral. I didn't get to the end of that saying, oh yeah, I just brought on a new client, new staging client last week. I'm super excited. They were actually referred to me by another client. They were referred to me by a realtor. That's awesome. Don't you think referrals are the best way to generate new clients? And then I didn't say, by the way, do you have any referrals for me? Like that wasn't part of the language. It's just about planting seeds. Now, you can plant seeds. That's just in the how's business question. You can plant seeds in the thank you note you write. You can plant seeds in random notes that you write. You can plant seeds during the buyer's journey. You can plant seeds when you are doing outreach. That plan I'm going to teach you in step three to do outreach to your referral sources. All of that outreach needs to have referral seeds planted. Not every single one, but definitely a couple of them need to have referral seeds planted so that we're obviously hitting our objective of receiving more referrals. 
but you can plant referral seeds so many times. You just have to understand the language. And I always tell folks within my program, within the Growth by Referrals program, that's really the secret sauce because anybody can do outreach to their referral sources. Doing it with the right language produces the results we want. That is amazing. So this has been such an eye-opening show. I just have one last question for you. So what would your number one tip for business owners, like what are some of the ways we can incorporate referral into our marketing plan? Okay. So here's the number one tip I would tell people, and it is not sexy and I am so sorry, but trust me, if you do this one, you will think later, okay, Stacy was right. Okay. I'm just just go ahead and repeat after me. Stacy's going to be right. Okay. If you will take time and if you don't, I'm going to tell you how to get this as a free resource if you don't know how to do this, but if you will take the time to sit down and look at your list of clients and figure out who was referred to you so that you can identify your referral sources, you are going to be enlightened about what you're going to learn about your business. You're going to realize who's referring you that you don't pay any attention to. You're going to think that people should be on your list of referral sources because you're under the impression, some anecdotal evidence that they've referred you and they really haven't. They've kind of talked about it like they have, but it doesn't actually show up in the numbers. You're going to be amazed of what your business will reveal if you know who your referral sources are. So if you want to know step-by-step how to go through this plan, yes, of course, it's in my Growth by Referrals program. It's actually module two, but a very, very good detailed overview of it is actually in my book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. It's like 15, 16 bucks wherever books are sold. Sometimes you can get it cheaper on Amazon. Get that book and just, I mean, obviously I want you to read the whole book, but it's chapter eight is where you're headed. And it's going to outline for you how you identify who your referral sources are. Trust me, this is a game changer for people who think, well, I don't have any referral sources. How do you know if you haven't looked at the data? Some will have more than they know. Some will have less than they think they do, but they'll know who the people are that they should be taking better care of. And I believe that once you know, right, once you have the knowledge, your responsibility begins. Trust me, once you know who's been referring you, you're going to want to do something to get more referrals from them because it's going to remind you that you do have people who believe in you and love to refer you and are okay putting the reputation on the line for you. And of course you recognize how much easier it is to grow your business. So please identify your referral sources. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This was so good. I love it. Thank you so much. It was so fun. This episode is brought to you by socialitevolt.com. Are you overwhelmed with the marketing your home staging business? Stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things. From social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, Socialite Vault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads, even when you aren't working. The team at Socialite specializes in marketing for home stagers. Get started today by going to socialitevault.com. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. 
That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.